This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, it's 7.06 Friday, the 17th of November, and you're listening to The Morning Round with Keith Kam and I'm Wong Xiaoning. Now, about 30 minutes, we'll be discussing Malaysia's trade mission at the Apex Summit with Kelvin Cheng. He's a senior analyst at ISIS. Now, in the meantime, let's recap how global markets closed yesterday. Well, Wall Street was sort of uh, flattish and it really would have been a four-day winning streak, but then the Dow had to end 0.1% lower. The S&P 500 was up 0.1%, while the Nasdaq uh, closed 0.1% higher as well. Uh, earlier in the day in Asia, the Nikkei was down 0.3%, Hong Kong's Hang Seng was down 1.4%, Shanghai's Composite Index was down 0.7%. Singapore's STI was up 0. Point, was up just marginally. The FBM KLCI closed 0.2% lower. So to help us understand where global markets are heading, because clearly we're in a bit of a conundrum, uh, <laughs> we speak to Tim Mahalan, president of TJM Limited. Good morning, Tim. Always good to speak to you. Yeah, first off, can you please tell us what where markets are heading because it's it's a rather uh, mixed Friday morning for us. Um, what is driving markets heading kind of directionless at this moment? Well, I mean, I, I think you've seen this this talk now again for the Fed. This is, I think, the fifth or sixth time over the past couple of years that they've uh, talked about Fed, you know, easing, and I think that you know pretty much saved us as well as earnings coming in a little bit better, but. Uh, I think what you're looking at right here is the prospects. Everyone thinks the Fed's done and they're going to start easing, which I don't believe, by the way. Um, the market is also led by this magnificent seven, as we know, which continues to to ramp. So there's a potential this thing has some staying power and it could rally. But I think let's wait till we get above 46, which was, I believe, our summer high. Uh, before we talk about new highs in the market. But, you know, again, and everyone thinks inflation. You have disinflation, not deflation, even though Walmart thinks there's going to be de deflation, which is actually interesting. We'll come to that back to that one mm. again with Walmart's earnings, what it told us. But I think you're looking at price levels that rose considerably, but stopped rising as fast. I mean, if they would continue at the pace they did last year, we would double prices, you know, by the end of the year. So it's not feasible. But I think people are a little too sanguine on the uh, inflation outlook as well. So those that are combining right now to to squeeze shorts, and also, you know, the FOMO, if you're missing out. Okay, so let's talk about Walmart. I mean, and many of the other big bo big, big box retailers like Target and Home Depot. Um, the results, some would say, a bit mixed. So what does it tell you about the American consumer, about the American household? Yeah, that's a very good point, because Target, even though it's not Target, <laughs> not the highest end or... Home Depot, that's not, I think we're looking at Walmart. And, and again, Walmart's a nice place. I shop there as well. But typically Walmart is a place where people that live on, you know, live paycheck to paycheck, let's say. So you got the bottom, uh, lower bottom half of the income earners or not probably bottom 80% of the income earners, let's just say. Uh, so what you're looking at here is a consumer that, owns financial assets, is doing well, and maybe they, you know, have, you know, whatever they do. But a lot of people that live paycheck to paycheck, which is quite a few, this is the whole root of the income inequality. Those, they're feeling the heat of uh, the inflation. So their purchasing power has been reduced. They're cutting back. So this is a bifurcated uh, consumer right now. 
And I think what Walmart just highlighted to the fact that the lower end is getting killed here or getting hurt. And that's just another reason why I don't think the Fed's going to be lowering interest rates. It ain't going to help them any. Tim, um, yeah, I, I love the, the, the recent Mean Girls Walmart uh, advertisements. But with, uh, with, with Thanksgiving coming up next week, uh, what's, what's your sense on, on consumer behaviour? Uh, you know, we've got, we've got Black, Friday on, um, Black Friday sales on a Wednesday this time. Yeah, I, mean, I think, the, you know, this uh, consumer, again, it's like, you know, you look everywhere I look at the restaurants and other places, everything's full. Roads are full. I think you're going to see decent. I don't think it's going to be bad on the sales. I think they're going to be pretty decent. But again, it's going to be that type of consumer who's out there. You know, I mean, that's, it's good to watch, but I, I just don't see, at least right now, based on even the retail sales report yesterday, I don't see any reason why we're going to see any fall off the cliff at this point. Okay, let's look at uh, U.S. Treasury yields because they certainly come down from the record highs. Um, and the spread between the two and 10 year remains negative. So what option strategies could investors use to profit from this um, narrowing but still negative spreads? Well, I tell you, the negative spreads are pretty interesting. And the mm-hmm. fact is, this is, again, one of the, you know, every, I said five or six times whatever Fed, they're looking for Fed to ease. Well, but you basically got rates for the long end right now. It's an interesting dynamic. When you got to 5% in 10 years, let's say, the dynamics are what they call convexity because of the higher coupon that you're earning. So like a 20-year bond, let's say, is really, given the convexity, is really like a 12-year bond. So your sensitivity, let's say if rates drop 50 basis points, you make like 11%. If rates rise 50 basis points, you lose 0.9%. You know, that's a dynamic. So you had some good reasons for people to buy treasuries. And a 2% plus real yield, I actually like two and a half or higher. But that's pretty compelling. But to really, the interesting thing is here is, in my view, is I would not jump on this duration trade. In fact, I go the other way on this duration trade, and I think bond yields are going to be back, 10-year yields will be back over 5%, if not this year, probably sometime next year, because I think what the Fed's going to risk here is a resurgence in inflation, because you're going to start seeing, you know, things aren't going to play in this soft landing Goldilocks type scenario that everyone hopes for. So how do you play this? I think you play it on some steepeners, but if you're looking at a steepener, I play it from the bearish steepening side. So from that standpoint, I'd just rather buy puts, let's say, on uh, on treasuries. Okay, on the flip side, then what do we do with equities? Do we just, you know, reduce our weighting, go into cash if if yield, yields are above five percent and stay five percent quite for quite a long period of time next year? Well, it kind of depends if if we have if you have nominal GDP growing above inflation. And people, you know, companies raising prices that equities might not be. I mean, they could still hold in uh, for a, a little bit. But, uh, uh, you know, I think is uh, I, I guess I'd say um, stocks right now, they took out the high. I mean, they, they actually are looking pretty strong right now. I'm not really in a mode, mood to sell other than volatility. And the VIX is so low, it still pays you. But what you're going to start looking at here, if you buy into this, you're going to start looking at the fact that the uh, Magnificent Seven, which incidentally, only one of them is growing revenue at over 25% a year, believe it or not. So if you look at the spread between them and let's say the uh, emerging markets for one and small cap stocks have been on a tear this week. So you're going to go into the 493 other stocks that haven't rallied. So I'd say you, this is your stock picker. You buy those and you buy the index puts. Let's say SP puts on the S&P 
and you buy the, uh, let's say, small caps or other stocks that are value or haven't participated as much as these magnificent sevens. So in other words, I think you play the spread where you sell those and buy the stuff that hasn't rallied this year. Okay, Not so the bad stuff. The underperformance, the quality underperformance. But uh, just, just following up <laughs> on something you said, Tim, who is the company that is giving you 25% growth among the magnificent seven? That's a good question. Because <laughs> <laughs> I noticed you didn't give me a name, and I was like, what's oh, the name, why? Tim? Because I, I, I read a report on it, and I, gotta, I, 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 want, I meant to look that up, they didn't. But I can tell you this much. I know a lot of them. I, I'm going to probably say it could be um, uh, maybe uh, NVIDIA. Okay. All we'll right. we'll try and figure out on our side, too. Um, yeah, I'm sorry for bringing <laughs> Okay, there was Tim Mahalan, president of TJM Limited Chicago. So he's he's liking uh, bond y- bonds, for, uh, but in 2024, he thinks that yields are going to remain elevated above 5%. The Fed is not going to be able to engineer that soft landing that everyone's hoping that they can. And regardless of uh, price pressures, people are still thronging restaurants and, and going shopping. And I, I'll be just quite curious to know what the uh, what what the sales would be like after Thanksgiving, because right after that, it's it kicks off the Christmas shopping season. Yeah, Q4, very important mm-hmm. for uh, all retailers. So let's take a look at one of the retailers that we did mention, which is Walmart. And that's so important because, like Tim said, it's really a barometer of a certain section of the American household, uh, maybe more what like the Malaysian version would be the B40, M40 shoppers, right? They, uh, they are the Maidin of, of the US. <laughs> may, yeah, probably. Maybe that's the good analogy. For the third quarter, Walmart reported a revenue of 160.8 billion US dollars up by 5.2%, uh, climbed on the strength of the retailer's grocery business, which thrived during a period of high inflation and digital sales. So operating income actually did rise 130% to $6.2 billion. Same store sales. Now, this is important to me. Up almost 5% for Walmart US and then 3.8% at Sam's Club. E-commerce also rose by 24% in the US, 15% globally. Gross margins rose to 24%, just marginally from 23.7% previously. And this was driven by a slight improvement for Walmart US, the timing of Flipkarts, the big billion days event, which kind of flipped from Q3 last year to Q4 this year. Its operating income rose 130.1% to 6 $6.2 billion US dollars. Um, Walmart is also making money in newer ways. It is selling ads and annual memberships to Walmart Plus, which is its answer to Amazon Prime. Revenue for the Walmart Connect ad business is up 26%. Okay, so management has guided actually uh, a slightly higher profit forecast, saying adjusted earnings for the fiscal year ending 20, early 2024 will be as much as maybe $6.48 a share. The la- world's largest retailer had previously kept its profit outlook at $6.46 a share, so a slight increase. But they are warning that going forward, things might not be as rosy as possible. Um, Walmart is also cautioning to points to a holiday shopping season that's likely to have greater discounts as actually their rivals also compete to boost sales. Now, what does the street like about this? Uh, how many analysts have a buy on it? 39, 8 holes, 
one sell consensus target price 178 US dollars and 75 cents during regular market hours it was down 13 US dollars and 74 cents to 156 US dollars and 4 cents I think we have time uh, to cover one more this one is a uh, departmental store, Macy's. So for the quarter ending 28, Macy's reported a 60% fall in net income at $43 million versus $108 million as compared to a year earlier. Revenue actually fell 5.8% to 4.9%. Billion dollars, and yeah, Q three same store sales at Macy's namesake brand were down zero seven point six percent on an own basis. Sales at the higher end Bloomingdale's fell three point two percent. Blue Mercury, which sells beauty and skincare products, rose two and a half percent. Gross margin of forty percent improved from a year ago, thanks to fewer product promotions than prior periods. Okay, so their numbers were better than expectations. I think in terms of uh, inventory management, that was really what made the difference. Although same store sales fell for a third straight quarter. So they're also entering the holiday season in what they call healthy inventory uh, position, which means that in coming quarters, you're not going to see any major write-off, which is good because in the past, you did see a like, gap whose results also came out yesterday, having sharp losses as a result of that. Now, does the street like this... Uh, I think they at the moment, not really. Seven buys, eight holes, two sells. Consensus target price for this stock. 15 US dollars and 59 cents. Last time price, actually, I'm surprised there's no quote. Give me a minute. 13 US dollars and 33 cents. It was up 72 cents. Up next, though, we're going to be covered, excuse me, going to be covering the top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned for that, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.